First John. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. As I've been studying today and this week, uh, looking at this text, aware of the importance of truth and uh, how John is trying to do something to offset the slowing and the slow growing influence of Gnosticism in the church and uh, <clears throat> reminded of the battles that take place and the importance of truth and this, the struggle uh, over the communication of information even to this day. Um, we know that we are susceptible. The Bible uses the term sheep, which are animals that are easily led astray. And yet, at the same time, we have a good shepherd who watches over us. Thank you for that. And thank you for the privilege that we have this morning or this evening of looking at your word. Thank you for John and his heart and his concern and uh, what you have given him and the burdens that he has as he has written this letter, obviously. He didn't even put his name on it. It's not a typical uh, letter where you address it to somebody. Uh, it just starts out talking about the person of Jesus and the similarities there of the fact that he actually knew the Lord and handled him and heard him and touched him and is relating things that make it clear that this one is not just a phantom, but is the human, the second person of the Trinity from God in flesh and um, that he still impacts us today. Pray for our study this evening and ask that you would be honored and glorified that the weakness of the speaker would not distract from the greatness of the message. Now, the Bible uses the term um, vessels that are like garbage vessels that carry a precious treasure of the gospel and that's what we are. And so we just pray that our Savior would be honored and glorified in this time and that his word would go forth in clarity and in power and that our lives would be changed by you and for your glory. And so we pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Well, you know, the apostle is writing and a culture there that there is this influence, growing influence of Gnosticism and um, it is easy for me to see how the church could begin to stress the spiritual over the physical. We know that the physical uh, is very distractive and there's a lot in the physical realm that plays to your senses, at least it does to mine, and I'm vulnerable and perhaps easily led. We can think of physical as being sex or eating, but there are a lot of things that uh, the Bible talks about, the boastful pride of life. We can boast about things that's physical and there's a lot of stuff. And I can see, as I look at, at myself and my relationship, I can see how people can emphasize one over the other. We, we seem to have a habit of going in extremes anyway. 
And uh, so, and I can see that um, tendency beginning to take take place. And so, I think it's very perceptive of John to want to warn us about that. And uh, I appreciate his heart very much. I appreciate the time that he put into it and the work that he's put into it and the effort. And it's, it's almost like, like he just... I was there at uh, Lowe's and, and uh, working on some, I, I trying to pull together some thoughts for a Christmas card. And uh, so I can envision in my mind, John, been thinking about these things and wanting to say something. almost universal, except that he was at Ephesus. He, he was. Um, getting a lot older, but he was still very active and very concerned. And uh, so he is uh, picking up a pen to write because of his passion to preserve and there's just a plethora of all kinds of communication around us today. And not just uh, in the church, where there is in the church, a lot of stuff in the church. I used to read the biblical recorder that came out, and a lot of stuff in that. So I didn't spend a lot of time reading it, but uh, there is a lot of stuff out there that is not necessarily sound. Now, some of these things have gone through stages that become more like the internet. You got social media, you got TV, movies, and magazines. Uh, if you go down to um, Barnes and Noble, you can see all kinds of stuff out there, magazines and all kinds of stuff, just, just everywhere. So there's a lot of information, but it's good for us to know what the truth is because we have one source. Um, I had somebody that they uh, knew that, that had had a view of heaven for I don't know how long and stuff. And then they came back and they wrote about it. And there's a speaker that goes around and talks about it. And I'm thinking that is not a good thing to do because we only have one source of truth. Anybody can give their opinion about what they say they saw and they went through this experience and stuff. But you don't know if it's the truth and you don't know how it's been flavored by their experience and what they were in a wreck and hurt real bad. But we do know what this says. And we know that this is what we are held accountable to, and so we want to we want to be sure to stick to the book. You understand? And uh, that's 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 what we know for sure. So um, <clears throat> truth is, I guess, a property of it is that thing. It talks about things that are in accord with the facts that uh, are a revelation of reality, particularly if it's from God and word that comes from Him, and it deals with facts. Uh, that are essential for us. The word is inspired, and, and everything in the word is profitable. Now, it may not be everything in the word is equally profitable. Some some things you have to dig to get a lot of profit. Other things, it's right on the surface and so shallow that a child can understand it and be saved from it. But it's God's word, and when we have a hard time with it, it's not because God's word is 
is bad or something is said, we have limitations. We can't parallel our thoughts with the thoughts of the infinite God of the universe who keeps all the molecules and atoms going at one time. There's not one rogue molecule, as R.C. says. And uh, he has all of this going and he is able to function through all people and all the things that are going at the same time and keep it going. I'm not able to sit down and dialogue intelligently with him about these things. I'm going to be babbling in like Job was when the Lord called Job into the, to the hot seat there at the end of the book of Job. And so, but God is, is still, God and his word is still truth and it's accurate and we want to be honest with it. Um, we want what we say about it to conform to what the truth is. And um, if we lose truth, uh, we, we re remove, I guess, uh, the, the real substance. I mean, we, we base our lives and our action on communication and, and we act on what is being is told us. And we can see, and we've seen it, and I've seen it more now than ever before, what happens when you have corrupt communication in the news and the media and stuff like that. Uh, people respond to what they hear and they believe a lot of things that have, that you, you don't even have to listen to the news, you know, is that true? They believe a lot of, lot of garbage. People do that. And uh, so it's good to know the truth because if you know the truth, the Bible says it'll set you free. It'll, it'll liberate you from being enslaved to various opinions and various um, ideologies and stuff like that. It's nice not to have to worry about things like that. I, I was thinking of, um, lying on your deathbed not that we're getting ready to lie on your deathbed but i told you as you get older you think about things like this and we were talking this morning about uh, somebody in the coffin everybody's going to take their their turn in the coffin but it's nice to be at peace with that to know as you lay there uh that you know where you're going you know what you're going to do people ask me a lot of times at work about marriage and and so if i think about getting married and I haven't had any proposals yet, <laughs> but uh, having said that, they were asking about, and I said, well, my wife died October 10, 2013, but I know where she is, and I do, I know exactly where she is, and uh, I know she wouldn't come back if she could, and, uh, and I'm sure that I wouldn't either if I was there, so, but it's nice to have that knowledge, that assurance to know the truth so that it sets you free, and so that's important. And so I was thinking about that um, when Jesus became flesh, John 14 says that he was full of grace and truth. And that's an interesting thing. That's an interesting word that is used there. I can understand grace because further on down in that passage, it talks about the law was given through Moses and the law displayed God's holiness and God's judgment and it was God's standard that was intended to show us that we can't match God's standard, that we are not able to do that, and uh, that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In that same context, those two phrases are used. Grace is that pouring out of God's unmerited favor. I love the, the uh, definition of grace as being God's benevolent uh, benevolence, uh, faith, benevolent favor or the favor that God has, a, a loving favor that he has to his, his chosen. And uh, it's, it's a powerful, powerful thing to think that God would be favorable to us and extend grace to us. That costs so much. That cost him so much 
and it cost him so much when we didn't want it. When we were going the other way, when we couldn't, when we could really care less. And so Jesus is the pouring out of God's grace, but he's also God's truth. And what he says and what he does, um, I, I've had I've had people say little things like, well, I've said something, it's true, what I said was true, but it wasn't completely true, and it was intended to lead people believing something that isn't true. Well, that's, that's a falsehood. Jesus is not that. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I was not so, I would have told you. I, I'm telling you the truth. And so these are things, he is the truth, and that's an, that's an important aspect about about that psalm 45 says the lord to the lord lead me in your truth uh and teach me so here's here's one who looks to the lord and he says lead me in your truth teach me instruct me guide me because you are truth you tell the truth and so i want that i want that leadership i know you too um i really do even though many times I will talk to the Lord. I say, "The Lord, I'm asking for this, but really, I want that." And I, I, I got to get my heart out of the way. You see, because what I want, what I want up here, is not always what I want in the flesh. Do you understand what I'm saying? And uh, so, there's a lot of times when we get our eyes set on something, or we think about what we would like to get, and uh, but we know that that's really probably, I'm certain, it's not God's will. I can't see how that would glorify Him, but it would just make me feel good. And that's not that's not a very good barometer to use to ask God for things. So aren't you glad that God doesn't answer the prayers the way you pray them? I am. I'm glad He answered the prayers according to His wisdom and for His glory. And that's the value of truth because we know that from Romans state and other passages that way we know that God answers our prayer according to His will. That's a good thing because if I knew that if I thought my prayer was answered the way I offer it just specifically stating it, I would be probably in a real serious, serious situation right now. So having said that, God, the scripture says we lead our lives by truth. Um, in Psalm 89, the Lord says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving kindness uh, and truth go before you. That phrase, loving kindness, is the Old Testament word for graciousness or grace, really. Uh, your throne, O oh God, a loving kindness or grace and truth go before you. Uh, and it kind of, his grace and truth proceeds, it's kind of the, the foundation for God's administrative work. And um, so it's, it's important. I'm, I'm belaboring a little bit because I just want us to think about the importance of truth. In, in the New Testament, John 16, when Jesus talks about the spirit of truth is coming, one of the passages he's talking about is the spirit is coming for the to guide the apostles in the writing of the New Testament. And he uses, he says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. That is all the truth he's going to be giving. He's going to guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak from himself. The Holy Spirit, now that's amazing to me, because the Holy Spirit is God, and he comes to do things. But he says here that the Holy Spirit is not going to speak from himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. So the Holy Spirit is coming. He's promising that he's going to send him, and he's going to communicate through these, these apostles to write down the things so and guide them in the truth so that they write what is necessary that we, will profit from that. We, we've talked about that, Larry and I have talked about that several times, that we 
uh, really stand on the shoulders of some people that have, that we owe great debt to. That we, a lot of people have suffered and sacrificed and given things, and that we reap the reward from that. And that's a blessing, and we're very, um, very thankful for that. And so uh, we have this truth, which, by the way, Jesus said in John 17, when he was talking about the disciples, uh, he said, ask the Lord, he said, I want you to sanctify these guys, set them apart, uh, sanctify them by the truth. And then just so he didn't misunderstand it, he said, your word is true. So we have his truth, and it's there to help us, to guide us, to sanctify us. Contrast that to John 8, where he talks about the devil. Jesus told the disciples, the Jews, that your father, the devil, uh, he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. He is the opposite of truth. He is the destroyer. He's a liar. From the beginning, he's a liar. And he's the father of lies. And so um, we just need to be aware of that. Uh, in Romans 1, one more verse, and then I'll get out of your way on this particular topic. But in, one, in Romans 1, the passage that speaks about the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men. You know that passage. He says there, and I was looking that up, I thought it was very interesting. He, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and, and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That word suppress means to hold down or restrain the truth. And so God is angry, and he's most angry at people who reject the truth or turn their back on the truth or restrain the truth. And you say, well, how can you restrain the truth? Well, I think you can do it by just changing the, the thoughts that you're thinking about. You've done something, but I don't want to think about that, so I'm going to choose to think about something else. And so I'll, I'll take something out of one of the big things that I struggle with is going through your phone and looking at YouTube. Because it's just always, they have all kinds of stuff. It, it follows the pattern of what you watch. So I get a lot of stuff on YouTube about Alabama and Nick Saban and all of these things like that. And there's stuff on there about soccer and different players and stuff like that. But you know what I'm saying? That uh, it's easy to plug, plug your mind with all kinds of garbage. That's a waste of time. And uh, so, but you can do that and not be thinking about the things that the truth is telling you. You know, you can restrain the truth like that. And uh, Lisa, when I say you, I mean me. I can do that. I can be thankful for those things that I shouldn't. And so I don't want to do that. I don't want to be guilty, as the Lord says that He gave them in that passage in Romans. It says, "What for? For holding down the truth, He gave them over to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among themselves." And this is just part of the step that they're leading. He's leading them away. But He says they exchanged the truth of God. For life. God's angry at that. He doesn't like that. He doesn't appreciate that. So Timothy to preach the word and to do it in season out of season. Do it, reprove, reprove, exhort, patience and teaching, because the time is going to come when they will not endure sound teaching, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves entertaining things. Accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside myths. So, all of that is just to say that it's important that we take a stand on the truth, that we know the truth, love the truth, and we seek to obey it. And it's easy right now for me to preach that to you. But it's not always easy to do it when I'm under temptation or when there are distractions in my life or things that want to 
to uh, that I want to got to have this, you know, or whatever. It's, it's not always easy to do that at the moment, but it is now because we're sitting up here and we look nice and and all dressed up and everything and stuff. And so um, we live in this age in which we are we are bombarded with information, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of opinions. There's there's uh, I'm just really flabbergasted at the stuff that's coming out that. Um, Right now, if you take a stand against uh, trans transgender stuff or homosexual or LGBT or all this kind of stuff, you become a target. People, that's okay. It's still wrong. It's still sin. God makes it clear that it's still sin. And we need to take a stand for righteousness and uh, take a stand for the truth. And we are just really bombarded by this kind of thing. We really are. And uh, it's probably going to get worse. Um, I never thought I would see, John McCarthy talked about that too. He said, I never, I, I couldn't figure out in the passage in Romans where he talked about a depraved mind or doing those things that are not seemly. I couldn't understand how people could do things and what were they doing that was, that was so far removed from logic that they were just blowing their mind and doing stupid things. But he said, we are, we have, the, we're there now. We see people all around. There, there are people with degrees from universities that don't know what gender they are. I mean, seriously, they really don't know what gender, they can't decide. But when you can take a little kid that is five or six years old and he knows very clearly what he is. But these people have, have educated them beyond their intelligence. And so they're just, they're outside the realm of reality. They, they have been given over to a reprobate mind. And that's, that's sad, but it's true. And we're living in that kind of culture and we're surrounded by that kind of culture and by that kind of stuff. And so we need to be people of the truth, so we can know the truth, so we can take a stand for the truth, and so we can live the truth, and so that's important. Well, in this book that we are looking at, uh, I'm going to read it, uh, <clears throat> the text to you, and then uh, after I read it, we'll go back. It's John starts out, what was from the beginning, <clears throat> what we have heard, what, our, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life and the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the father and was manifested to us what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. And the way we start that, what was from the beginning, and we talked about that last time, but I'm going to just, and I'm kind of following along a little bit with John's commentary on that, because I thought it was a good breakdown. But at the beginning, when he talks about what was from the beginning, when we talk about the beginning, we're not talking about the beginning of creation, we're talking about the beginning when the gospel uh, was first, preached and begun to be disseminated and and the disciples went out and they peter preached on the day of pentecost and at the beginning when the church began to proclaim the good news of jesus christ and the gospel and so what he's saying here uh in this text when he's read when he when we read that he's saying what was in the from the beginning what we have heard what we have seen <clears throat> he's saying that this gospel message from the beginning until now has not changed it's still the same message. What was from the beginning, what we've seen, what we've heard, what was from the beginning. When I was a new believer, uh, I don't know how 
to date it because I don't remember the. I know that I gave my life in 1968, which was probably before some of you were born. Before but I uh, what? Well, that was before I was born. Okay, thank you. Okay, well, I didn't. I didn't want to take a detour on that point. <laughs> uh, but anyway, when I when I uh, after I was saved in '68 and I began to start studying the scriptures, I bought a a reference Bible, a very popular reference Bible. And but some of the things in that I've since found that were not very sound in theology. One of the things was that the four Gospels, Matthew, because Matthew is different, um, this particular Bible said that Matthew was written primarily to Jews, and Mark, Luke, and John were written uh, to Gentiles. And uh, that one of the things in there that it was kind of strong on was that the preaching of repentance is primarily the preaching to the Jews and not to the Gentiles. And I don't know if you've heard that, but I had heard it, and and but, but I want to just I want to disagree with that, and uh, because the message is the same, and the preaching of repentance is a very serious thing that goes back from the church. Um, so let me just take a few moments. I've, I've pulled together a few verses. In Matthew three two, John the Baptist preached, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is has come." In Matthew seven fourteen, Jesus preached. Uh, began to preach and say, repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand as well. Peter, uh, in Acts 2.38, said, repent, each one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Mark 6.12, Jesus sent the twelve out and preached uh, that men should repent. In Acts 8.22, uh, Peter said to Simon the magician, repent of this wickedness of yours. In Acts 11.18, Peter preached uh, repentance to the Gentiles where he was in the house of Cornelius. And uh, he said that uh, God has granted to the Gentiles also repentance that leads to life, which by the way also means that repentance is a synonym for salvation. Uh, in 2 Peter 3, 9, Peter's message uh, was um, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Paul's gospel um, in Acts 17 on Mars Hill, therefore, Having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now uh, declaring to all men everywhere that they should repent uh, because he's fixed today in which he's going to judge. In Acts 20, 20, Paul preached repentance in the church at Ephesus. Um, he said, um, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, but teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's preaching uh, in Acts 26 when he was before King Agrippa, he said, I proved disobedient to the heavenly, division, heavenly vision, but kept declaring both, listen, both through Damascus first, Paul did, and then also in Jerusalem, Paul did, and then throughout all the region of Judea, Paul preached, and then even to the Gentiles. So there you go, the Gentiles, the Jews in Damascus, Jerusalem, and also up Judea. It says that they should repent, turn to God, and perform deeds appropriate for repentance. And I could go on. I don't need to do that. But I want you to see that the message of repentance is there. The, the word repentance is, as I mentioned a minute ago, and there's several other verses, that is a synonym for salvation. Um, 
And also repentance is, a, is not something you just believe, but it's something that changes your life. Uh, remember John the Baptist told the, the, the Jews when they came, he said, repent, bear fruit, and keep it with repentance before I think about baptizing you. Uh, he told the people in Chorazin, uh, woe to you, Bethsaida, for it's the miracles that occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes, which is a way of demonstrating what gratitude. So uh, what I'm trying to say is here is that the message that was preached from the beginning was the message that we we uh, understand, we, we knew that, we know those kind of things, the gospel message. Um, Paul, as I mentioned a moment ago on Mars Hill, said God had overlooked the times of ignorance, that he's now commending men everywhere that they should repent, uh, that that's command from God. And um, Colossians, just to talk about some of the things that was in the early message, Colossians 1.20 says, and although and uh, through Christ, he came to reconcile all things to himself having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, whether things on earth or things in heaven. So here's the work of Christ there, Paul in the early church, to the church in Colossians, the one that we're studying. Uh, to, he came to reconcile all things to himself, same gospel, same message, same purpose. He's made peace through the blood of his cross, peace between God and man. Uh, and uh, these are things, both things on earth and things in heaven. The book of Ephesians, uh, the, the gospel message, Paul right, says that we have redemption is through Christ, through his blood, the forgiveness of our transgressions, which comes according to the riches of his grace. So I, I'm just, I guess I'm just downloading on you, but these are things that help us to realize that this gospel message that John is writing about was from the beginning and it hasn't been altered. There hasn't been any plan B to come alongside to supersede it. Uh, it has been maligned. There have been a lot of people that have not liked it. Uh, the gospel is offensive. And uh, it, it does strip us bare. I mean, when you start telling a person they need to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me, um, that's, that's a pretty strict command. And it comes from the sovereign of the universe. And it's, it's, uh, it's not a toy. It's not an opinion, it's a fact. And uh, Luke 14, Jesus said, no man can be my disciple unless he hated his mother, father, wife, sister. And that was in, in what he's saying is you need to put me first. That's what he's saying, put me first. I don't do that very often, not the way I should. I want to, but I don't. I, I, I can always think of other things and I have to stop and say, no, I need to focus on this. I, I procrastinate and that's not good and so I'm trying to get back to doing these things I need to do. you understand that and that's that's just part of the the makeup that we need to take God seriously and need to put him first and I want to do that I know you do too uh, and you won't want to do that except that the Spirit of God is working in your heart is making you a new creature and we have to cooperate with that we have to agree with that we have to let him do that let him have his way uh, so here's the, here's this uh, the, these passages here that talk about these kind of things that he's come to give us forgiveness of sin, and that this this Gnostic heresy that tries to deny the the humanity of Jesus and say that he was just a spirit 
is John's not going to let him get away with that. He's going to be talking about it. I've been there. I've seen it. And uh, Peter talked about that too when he talked about Jesus. And doing, having not seen, we love. And having not been there, you know, I can tell you about him. I, I know what it was like for me to be there with him. And uh, Peter, uh, he went through some pretty deep water. We were talking about that this morning, but denying the Lord and stuff like that. He had some, some very difficult and painful um, circumstances where he denied the Lord. And uh, yet at the same time, uh, he repented. And then Jesus commissioned him in the last part of John saying, Peter, do you love me? Three times he said that probably scholars believe, I think it's a good, good suggestion. He said, because Peter denied it three times. So do you love me? Do you care for me? If you do, the motivation for taking care of the sheep is your love for me. Um, because the sheep are not always as lovely as we would like to think. We look good now, but we're not always as lovely and we don't, don't always get along like we do, but that's okay because we're not doing it for the love of each other. Although we do love each other, we're doing it for the love of the Savior. And that love uh, is something that we want to, to if it's real, we'll transcend. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah. You love me, keep my commandments. Your keeping of the commandments is motivated by your love him and so we have these this struggle with gnostic heresy and denying these things and um in the early church there were battles false christ false prophets uh jesus said these will arise they will show signs and wonders uh, so as to deceive if possible even the elect if it's possible behold I told you in advance. So he's warning, just like Peter, just like John, Peter too, that matter. He's warning them. Uh, the same is true in Acts 20. Uh, Paul and with Ephesian elders said, After my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things. That means it's not the truth. Speaking that are not the truth, speaking perverse things to draw the disciples away after them. And so the, the, the danger is there. And so we are warned in scripture. I know the last chapter in Revelation, Paul, uh, John writes, and by the way, Revelation is the only book by John in which he does about himself that I'm aware of. He may, may I did, didn't look at third John, but he does clearly identify himself in Revelation. I, John, is on the Isle of Patmos. And he tells us about that. And I think the reason being is because this is such a, a powerful, uh, in his age too, but this is such a powerful statement of prophecy that he wants everybody to know that's coming from the pen of the apostle himself. He was probably in Ephesus uh, when that was written. That's what they think. It, and uh, they were written probably pretty close together. Anyway, John writes in Revelation 22, he says, I bear witness, which means this is something that he's, he's, um, aware of or gotten from the Lord or whatever. I bear witness to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy. That word prophecy doesn't have to mean predictive prophecy. It can be the communication. The communication of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. So what does he say? He said, don't alter it. Don't add to it. Even even uh, <clears throat> Even in, in, in trying to change things just to make it uh, seemingly um, more acceptable, don't do that. Let the word speak as it speaks. Let it be clear. Uh, it's powerful. God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words 
tries to soften it. The words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his portion or his part in the tree of life. By the way, the tree of life was in the garden and in the New Jerusalem in the book of Revelation. Going back to where we started. God's the whole lot in between those two times. Uh, so anyway, take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. And so these are things that uh, this is what he's, he's, John is concerned about here in this passage. One more verse and then I'll stop. And this was the one that John used too. I thought it was a good one. It's, it's the first the first few verses in Galatians. Paul writes to the, to the church in Galatia, I marvel that you were so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. That's pretty strong to be deserting him. This different gospel, which is easily not another, which is really not another, but that there are some who, do, who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So this tells us that there are those that want to lead, want to, want to distort, want to twist the truth. Uh, they want to draw people out to follow them, their own little clique and stuff like that. And I don't have any names for you or anything like that, but you can turn on the TV and see a lot of this kind of stuff going on. And it's just really very sad. We have a small fellowship here. Uh, we just need to watch it because it doesn't take much to, to sort of rock the cradle or do things that are, that are you know, create damage. And so we just have to be faithful. I'm very thankful for you men. You're, you have good hearts and, and love the Lord and you know the word. And I'm very, very, very pleased about that. And we need to stay that way. But we also need to reach out to other people. We've got lots of people that are in a world of, of confusion. And we want to be a voice of clarity and truth. You see what I'm saying? In the midst of a world that there is confusion. So he goes on to say here, um, there are some disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to the gospel which we have proclaimed to you, that is the gospel in the scriptures, in the, in the epistles, let him be accursed. We've said before, so I say again now, if any man is proclaiming to you a different a gospel contrary to what you receive, let him be accursed. And so here we have John's first statement that this gospel is uh, that which came from the beginning. It's not different, hasn't changed. It's still the same one. It's the, we sing about, the, the love to tell the story, but it's the old, it's the, it's the truth of the message that we have that uh, is from God and it's not being altered and not changed. <laughs> He says that was from the beginning. We've heard it so uh, seeing their eyes and such. It's about Christ. Yes, not the gospel. Christ, Christ and the message. He's the word, both him and his message. And he talks about that further on down being manifest. So we'll get into that. But, yeah. So that, that beginning, you said, was around Pentecost? Well, the beginning that, is when the preach. When the, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Yeah, when, when, yes, sir. When it I mean, there's two different. One is about three years. There's three years difference. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't know that there's a date that needs to go in. But when the gospel began to be proclaimed, and the church began to proclaim it, and people began to hear the message, and you can go back to the disciples of Jesus when they went out 
to uh, twice and went down in Galilee and then they went uh, down in Judea and they went out preaching. And during that time, they, that could be also part of the time when the gospel was being proclaimed and lives were being challenged because Jesus was the kingdom is here and this is serious stuff and he's giving an invitation. But the invitation which comes to us as well, very, very, very sobering invitation and um, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about those who are lawless. He says that many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do these? And I will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. That's a very serious statement as well. I'm, I'm, I don't want to confuse you. I, I, when, I, when I see that, I hear the echo of his gospel. Mm -hmm. his gospel. I don't think he's talking about the beginning of his life or his ministries. That was from the beginning bring to his eternal uh, beginning. And he was already there at the beginning. So Genesis 1 1 beginning God. So you think he's talking about Genesis 1 1. There are those Yes, yes. I mean it's it's the same, it's it's a very similar, much more condensed, but it's a very similar opening as his gospel. In yeah. the name is the word works with God and so on. Well it is true. You can go back to the big to Genesis and see where the Lord promised that he had the the he would crush the head of the serpent, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And that has been called the first gospel by Reformed theologians. That was Sloan talked about that, Evangelion. And that you could say that. And I'm not going to have a problem with that. I think he's talking about the gospel as it was proclaimed there in the early church when it first started going out. But either way, it makes sense. And either way, God's program is not changing, he's not altering things like that. He's not. He's not updating the reference Bibles for different standards. You see what I'm saying? He doesn't go by reference Bibles, no. No, he doesn't. It's amazing how much <laughs> truth these the Bible the commentary the Bible shed on the commentaries in it. Amen. Yeah. Anybody? I guess the beginning of the gospel for God is different than it is for us. <coughs> what do you mean? Because Paul says we're chosen in him for the foundation. The yes, we were. So we eons before, before the world existed, let on you. And then there's this point in time in which the gospel has to enter in space and time. Christ came before us in time. So it could, it could be both. There's a beginning in eternity, there's a beginning in time. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm following you, except that I do see what you're saying, that there is this. There's eternity from God's perspective, and there's the beginning of time for us. And I agree with you that we use words like days, hours, weeks, months. God uses terms like eons, usually. I don't know if that's what you're saying, whatever, but and I don't want to, I'm not trying to cover over that. I, I want to know the truth about that. The good but, news physically came in the space. Well, it's like. But it's the like, truth still was before the foundation. Oh, yes, it was. But there was a time when the good news actually physically entered. Well, there's a lot of things that, that are known in the old, that it's true, but they weren't revealed until the New Testament in space and time. And, uh, Interesting. But when, when, uh, when John talks about touching and seeing and hearing, I think he's, I think he's talking about the person, like you said, mm -hmm. but also the message. We heard him yeah, speaking and we heard what he said. Anything else? It's the plan from the beginning. I think that's one of the things I'm picking up 
in the intense study of the Gospel of John is that it's very clear, and it's clear in the other Gospels too, that the disciples did not understand really what he was trying to say and what he was doing. They did get the part that he was the Messiah correct. That he was a guy who was son of God. Martha got that correct, right? But they didn't understand. And, you know, when you read uh, 13 through 16, Jesus in the upper room discourse, telling them all these things. And, and he's not only, it's like, I probably call that preview coming attractions because he's telling them all that's going to happen just in the immediate hours in front of them in the description. And then, Days, months, weeks, years after that, when they're going to be persecuted and so forth, and then ultimately I have a place for you. I'm going to come and get you. So it's all looking to the future. This all new stuff, and they've never heard that before. And um, they, you know, I think over John is looking back, like that was the plan all along. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's right because he said a lot of times he said that you don't understand it now, but you will, you will understand it later. Yeah, well, no, that's good. Anything else? We have a wonderful Savior, don't we? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your patience. Um, we don't have the capacity to grasp everything that you have to say to us at one moment, and we know that. We know that you told the disciples that uh, you would show them things that they're not ready for those things now, but when they're ready, you would give them to them. And we know that. And we know that you're very patient with us. You've gone through the experiences that we've gone through so that you can identify with us. You are merciful and gracious. When I talked about the fact earlier that there are things that I, I find that I want to do that you don't want to do, I'm telling the truth. There are things that it is my life and there are, I am, I know what it means to love the world and the things that are in the world. I also know that the Bible says, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And I know that's a serious statement. And so I know that we are walking attention, that we want to surrender to you. We want to be, we want to belong to you. We want to be your children, your child, and to serve you and to honor you and to glorify your name because that's what matters. And uh, so we have a message and it's the only message that, that our world needs to hear. And we, we, we are in a world that is very confused. I pray that you'll help us to be clear, help us to know the truth and to practice the truth and to live the truth and to be a, a witness to the truth so that people can see us and ask us for reason for the hope that is in us. And so we pray these things. Thank you for this time. Thank you for these dear people. And I pray that we were talking earlier about not everybody is, is as lovable as others. We're of course not talking about the fellowship. We love each other very much and uh, very thankful for them. And thank you for your the patience and uh, for their love for you. And we pray that you'd help us to grow. Uh, thank you for the things you're doing, like the job that I have that enables me to get paid while I'm reading the Bible. And so I thank you for that. And I pray that you would help me to use my time wisely. Help me to think. Because a lot of times I have to read a passage three or four times to really begin to grasp it. And so help me to think and be able to be guided by you through these things. And we ask your blessing upon this day and upon this week, and we pray in Jesus' name and thanksgiving. Amen.